0: Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and this is episode 111, Godly Leaders Must Choose Wisely. As we've been walking our way through the book of 1 Samuel, now for a few months, we come to a text today that literally causes me to struggle with a degree of Whiplash. When I read through this and we walk through this, you may understand why, what I'm meaning. Because as I read through this in preparation for this week's lesson, I just cannot get over Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. He was not God's choice, but he was God's choice for that season because the Israelites demanded an earthly king. Samuel is still around. We're going to see Samuel re-enter the picture next week. So Samuel was the prophet of that time. He was also the last judge. And thankfully, he was a godly leader. And then there's Saul. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been working our way through the story of Saul His son, Jonathan, and the Israelites versus the Philistines. So at this point in the history of Israel, the Israelites were at such a deficit. They they didn't have the manpower involved in the military. They didn't have the weapons. And, of course, the most important thing, they did not have God fighting for them the majority of the time because... They did not have a leader who was, number one, following God, and number two, leading them to follow God. His son, on the other hand, was a godly leader. Jonathan, two weeks ago in our story, Jonathan is looking at the Philistines and what's going on through the eyes of God. And he's looking at it as an opportunity for Israel to to move forward and to see what God is going to do in and through them. Whereas Saul and his leaders were just literally hanging out, just with no thought of what God might do. Their perspective was that human perspective, just looking and going, we are so outnumbered, what's going to happen? And they're just sitting still. And Jonathan and his armor bearer move forward because Jonathan is focused on what God can do. The fact that there is nothing that can hinder God. No amount of military strength or lack thereof is going to change the outcome if God is in it. And then last week we talked about Saul and we talked about King Saul and the fact that he did not wait on the Lord. And so as we talk about godly leaders now... I'm not talking about just pastors and deacons and elders and and people who have, are in what we call full-time ministry. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to full-time Christian ministry. It's what you signed up for. Just because you're not receiving your primary paycheck from a ministry does not mean that you are not to be a godly leader. You may not be leading a specific group in a church or a ministry, but you should be leading people wherever you are, whether it be in your career, whether it be in your house, whether it be in your friend group. We need godly leaders in all walks of life because somebody who is the pastor of a church is not going to have the same opportunities to lead the garbage men who pick up my trash every week. And yet somebody who's in that field may have the opportunity to lead those men and women in godliness. We need godly leaders in every area. Last week, we could surmise that wise, godly leaders wait on the Lord. Like they don't do what Saul did and just impulsively, which is going to be one of our big words for this week, just go off without waiting on God you know Saul and his army were just hanging out and they're like what in the world's going on over there they didn't realize that Jonathan following the lord's leadership had already gone ahead of them and had started the process they didn't have a clue what was going on here god was fighting for them and they were they had no idea what was happening they did not know that god was at work because they weren't looking for god at work and Saul Instead of waiting on guidance from the Lord, he sees the chaos and goes, hmm, I think I need to move now. And that's why this week's story just causes me, my head, it's like watching a tennis match where you're just, your head's just spinning of what in the world is he going to do and say next that is not of God. That's where we stand this week. So let's just jump into the text and and just walk through this and learned from it, you know, there are are godly leaders in the Bible, and we can take the life of Samuel, and we can look, and we can see some godly characteristics. We talked about his farewell address and the fact that he was able to stand up in front of these people that he had led for so long, and he said, have I done anything That has offended you. I want to come clean. I want to make sure that the slate is clean. And not one person came forward. He was a godly praying leader. And then we have Saul. Saul is just everywhere. He's just all over the page. And I don't know about you, but to follow a leader... That is not following God. That's not what I want to do. Life is too short. And our mission here on earth is to love God. And lead others to love Him. And spending time following leadership that is not from God. We are to pray for our leaders, even those who do not have a relationship with God. But when it comes to leading, we need to lead in such a way that we are following God and others can follow in our footsteps. So here they've had this this battle and they've seen God do miraculous things where he sends the Philistine army into a panic and they're just running and all this kind of stuff. And we get to verse 24 and we said, Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, Let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they were, all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. Like, This doesn't even make earthly sense. That if you're going into a battle against a bitter enemy, that you swear your forces to an oath that they are not going to get proper nutrition. Like, this is just stupidity, for lack of a better way to put it. I just don't, there's just... But Saul is not thinking clearly. Saul is definitely not looking for God's leadership. And yet we as human beings can fall into this same trap of making choices without thinking them through. And those choices yes affect ourselves but they may very well affect others in a negative light when you are in a leadership position leading somebody one somebody you need to take seriously thinking through and praying through your decisions What I was struck with as I was kind of trying to work through this is we aren't able every time when something comes up very quickly, we're not able to sit and fast and pray for God's answer. Sometimes we have got to make decisions very quickly. Now, we do have the opportunity to say at least the name of Jesus. There's no decision that has to be made so quickly that you can't do that. Even when somebody's coming at you in the wrong lane on the road, you have have the opportunity to say the name of Jesus. But I think this is why it makes this so important that we need to have an ongoing relationship with God, We need to be growing in our relationship to Him. Number one, just because that's the right thing to do. He is the God of the universe and He wants to engage us in relationship and we should be pursuing Him as He pursues us. But in the midst of that, one of the benefits of continuing to have an intimate, ongoing relationship with Him is that we know Him. And if we know him, we will understand what his will more than likely will be in circumstances and situations. We won't have to start at square one. We will be able to pick up from where our last conversation was, and we will be able to walk forward. Saul does not have a relationship with God. Saul is just flying from the seat of his pants and these poor Israelite soldiers are reaping the consequences. Next verse it says, but Jonathan had not heard his father's command and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. And check out Jonathan's response. He's like my father's made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like this like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have eaten this little bit of honey? If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we would have killed. Jonathan is just doing like I am and just shaking his head, going, what in the world is he thinking? Well, that's the problem. He wasn't thinking. Saul was not thinking clearly, And we're going to see for quite some time, we're going to see him repeat the not thinking clearly for many of our podcast episodes. We will see him thinking through the eyes of green, that being green jealousy. But in this case, he's just, he's going one direction and then another and then another and then another with no purpose or plan And following a leader like that is exhausting and does not accomplish the mission of the kingdom of God. And leading others in that way is not God honoring. Verse 31, they chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Ajalon, growing more and more faint. That evening they rushed from the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves. But They ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating blood that still has blood in it. That is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. I get exhausted reading these parts of scripture because Saul is just not right. So he has kept his men from being able to eat. They are famished. And now when they get the plunder, they get the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves, they eat them without draining the blood. Well, that is against the command of God. That's not a question. That, that is against the command of God. But they wouldn't have been in this situation and led to such temptation if it had not been for Saul's pitiful decision-making. And then now... He's, he's told what they're doing and he sees that as a grave sin, not seeing his own poor decisions as sin, but seeing theirs. And now he tries to recoup and tries to find a way to take what they're doing and somehow or another make it into an offering for God. How many times... Have you tried to take what was a just a train wreck of a decision and instead of truly taking it to the Lord, laying it all on his altar and saying, God, I messed up. And my messing up has had consequences for so many. Instead of me trying to just figure out a way to fix it, I'm taking this to you. I may have told this story before, but it's one that just I'll never forget. So after my dad died, I was trying to mow my yard, which that I'm good at. I'm good at mowing my yard, but I'm not good at fixing a lawnmower. So I had this lawnmower and this belt. This belt popped. I guess it popped. Um, Definitely came loose, but I think it popped. And so I got a replacement belt. I'm going to fix it. And uh working hard, working hard, worked for hours trying to fix this. And finally, I had to give up because I didn't know what in the world I was doing wrong. This did not seem that difficult, but it, you know, it was just beyond me. And so I contacted a friend of my dad's and he repaired lawnmowers and I had him come over and it was within a blink of an eye that he had it fixed. And he said, would you do me a favor next time? He said, how about you call me when it happens? Instead of spending hours upon hours upon hours doing something you have no idea what you're trying to do and trying to fix something you know nothing about, just call me. It was harder for him to undo what I had done in the midst of trying to fix it than for him to have fixed it. I hope I learned my lesson that day. But Saul didn't have that same lesson. And Saul is just trying to take what has happened and he is knee jerking one direction or another. Okay, this, oh, we'll just set up an altar so that what they've been trying to eat. Um, like let's just let's just fix it. Let's just fix it. Let's just make this right before God. <sighs> Godly leadership must choose wisely. must choose wise paths. must choose wisely when mistakes have been made, when bad choices have been made. Verse 36, which is our focal verse here in 1 Samuel 14. Then Saul said, let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, we'll do whatever you think is best. Which, when that came out of the mouth of the armor bearer of of Jonathan at the beginning of this chapter, it wasn't a bad idea on his behalf because... He knew that Jonathan was in touch with God and Jonathan was following the Lord. So for him to say, I'll do whatever you think is best, was not a bad idea. It would be good if he approached God himself, but to follow a godly leader made sense. But for them to say that after what they have seen out of Saul, his oath, now his attempt to somehow or another make it right. It says, But the priest said, Let's ask God first. Like Saul wanted to make this altar, try to make it all good. Let's let me see if I can clean this mess up. And then he, within a blink of an eye, he turns around and let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Do you think that his army After not eating all day and fighting, were ready to chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise? Like, no. But he didn't even ask God. Because God can equip them. And God could have given them what they needed, or God could have just gone and finished out the Philistines because he's the one that had defeated them to begin with. But Saul never thought to ask. Even godly leaders sometimes get so much in the heat of what's going on that they forget to ask. They forget to stop and ask God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Where are you leading us? Don't get so involved in what you see happening at that moment, or even in your own exhaustion, because Saul could have been exhausted himself here. And he's, let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. He would have gotten them all killed. As number one, God wasn't in it at this point, and we know why here in a moment. And number two, he's just making this up as he goes. Leaders, godly leaders, don't just make it up as they go. They make steps toward God as they go. And they cultivate a relationship with God. And they listen for his voice. They seek his voice. They seek his wisdom. Verse 37, so Saul asked God, should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leader, something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it is my own son, Jonathan. Listen to Saul. Goodness. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan, and I will stand over here and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, whatever you think is best. Don't say that to somebody like Saul, please. Then Saul prayed, O Lord God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. You can't see me, but I just had my head drop into my hands. At this scene. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair on his head will be touched, for God helped him do a great deed today. But the people rescued Jonathan. He was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. I... Do you understand why I said this, this chapter causes me whiplash? Or at least this section causes me whiplash? Lord willing, you are not following a leader like Saul. And even more to the point for this podcast, Lord willing, you aren't a leader like Saul. Who makes decisions just without thinking and without going to the Lord? Years ago, I was in a leadership position and I was trying as best I could to ask God specifically who needed to fill specific positions but I got antsy, I got like Saul did last week, and I could see the beginning of the semester coming around the corner, and there was nobody in that position. And I did a Saul, and I asked someone, and they said yes, it didn't go well. It wasn't a disaster. It wasn't that kind of situation, but it has stuck with me now for 20 years. It has stuck with me. I just wonder who God had for that position. Who was it that He had chosen? And what fruit did He have planned that not only did I miss out on as the leader? But that the people participating missed out on because I didn't wait. I never want to be a leader like Saul, whether it be in a church setting, whether it be in a ministry, whether it be with those I love. I never want to be that kind of leader. I want to learn from the example of Saul in the fact that I do not want to follow in his footsteps. I want to daily pursue God. Learn from him. Grow not only in knowledge of him, but in that relationship to him. So that when decisions come, I'm ready. Because I've been hanging out with the wisest of all. The very last part, even though Saul was not where he needed to be with God, and it's not going to get any better, God still Bless the kingdom of Israel for this season of time. Verse 47. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. And wherever he turned, he was victorious. Not because he was all that, but because God had chosen. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who plundered them. Who had plundered them? Saul's sons included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Malkishua. He also had two daughters, Mirab, who was older, and Michael, who went on to marry David. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimez. The commander of Saul's army was Abner, which that's important. Like, Abner will play a crucial role for a long time to come. The son of Saul's uncle, Ner. Saul's father, Kish, and Abner's father, Ner, were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. It's an interesting phrase to end 1 Samuel chapter 14. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. That makes sense from a human standpoint, but that was probably all he was looking for. He was not looking to make the name of God great among the nations. He was looking to make the army, in his mind, great so that they could win the battles. Not realizing that the most important battle he was losing on a daily basis And that was the battle within himself, the battle to be God's man. Wisdom. We all need wisdom. We need wisdom to live in the world as it is today. Each day we make decisions that impact others. We make decisions in driving. We make decisions financially. But we make spiritual decisions as well. Whether you think of them as that or not, but if you aren't actively pursuing Christ and looking for opportunities to share him with others, you are... Giving up the spiritual influence that you could have. Proverbs 2, 1 through 8. God really is using these verses in my heart today. And these are verses that I'm going to read through, and then I'm going to pray it, pray them for us all as we go through. This week, may God work in your heart. May God help you to see ways where you are a whole lot like Saul. Either you are so impulsive that you cause your family's head to spin, you panic in the midst of nearly any situation. When something goes wrong, instead of calmly taking it to the Lord, you try to cover it up, figure out a way to fix it, you try to start battles without any guidance from God. And in many areas of your life, you are not waiting on him. Last week's assignment was specifically for you to look at your life and figure out one area where you needed to wait on God, whether it be for a future spouse, whether it be for a job, whether it be for finances, whatever it might be. This week's assignment is to pray daily. For the wisdom to make godly decisions and to lead others to do likewise. I'm going to start you out today by praying for you. But I ask that you pray daily for wisdom. You might even want to use these verses that are here. Um, There's a graphic that I created that has these verses in it. Uh, The verses start out, so this is Proverbs 2. It starts out, says, my child. That's what it says in the NLT. In the Hebrew, it says "my son," but it does apply to all of us. Uh, But when it was written, it was written to my son. So, verse one. Verse one. My child, listen to what I say, and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. And concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Do you think God wants us to be wise? There's no doubt whatsoever. But in order to be wise, your first wise decision would be to enter into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about how to do that, you can email me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. I would love to talk you through that. If you do have a relationship with God through Jesus The next wise decision is to go to him daily. Well, just to go to him daily. To spend time with him daily. Not just so you can get all the answers, but so you can get him. You have the incredible privilege to spend time With the living God. The God who created all things. The God who knit you together in your mother's womb. The God who opened the Red Sea. You have the opportunity to sit each day with the wisest of all wise ones. There is nothing that he does not know. Why then would you not seek him? Why then would you ever not seek his guidance? So I'm going to pray Proverbs 2, 1 through 8 over you. This will be kind of our benediction. Dear God, I pray for each person within the sound of my voice. I pray, dear God, that they will listen to what you say. And I pray that they would treasure your commands. I pray that you would turn tune their hearts toward wisdom, hearts and ears toward wisdom, and that they would concentrate on understanding. I pray that they would cry out for inside and ask for understanding. I pray that they would search for inside and wisdom as they would for silver and seek them like hidden treasures. I pray that they would understand what it means to fear you and that they will gain knowledge of you. I thank you, God, that you grant wisdom. I thank you that from your mouth come knowledge and understanding. I thank you that you grant a treasure of common sense to the honest, and that you are a shield to those who walk with integrity. I thank you, God, that you guard the path of the just and protect those who are faithful to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May you seek him with all your heart. May you lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will give you the wisdom to know which paths to take. He may even straighten your paths. Oh, how our lives would be so very different. If we stopped living the impulsive life of a King Saul who was blown to and fro by a tiny wind and we were instead steady standing on the rock, the immovable rock, having his wisdom in the decisions that we make. Again, thank you for tuning in. We've still got our Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus Facebook group. Uh, You can go to Facebook forward slash groups forward slash Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. The link is in the show notes below. We continue to have our online Bible study course open, Finding Courage for Life's Battles, Life Lessons from the Book of Joshua. Still not sure how long that's going to be up there, but it is there for the moment. And I just want to remind you that remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.